The Fields Auto Group proudly presents Huddle Up, Huddle Up. with Bucky Brooks, <laughs> J.P. Shatter, John Osher, and NFL Network analyst and former Jaguar Bucky Brooks bring you the latest on your Jacksonville Jaguars. Everything's got to be about the future. It's got to be about tomorrow and bringing all that into focus as we, you know, attack the season. Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks starts right now. And welcome in. It's Wednesday. It's week 13, and it's Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks, J.P. Shadrick, and John Osier here in Jacksonville. Busy show ahead. Of course, NFL Network analyst and Jaguars radio field analyst Bucky Brooks from Los Angeles. John Osier sitting right beside me. The Jaguars visit the Detroit Lions in week 13, a battle of four and seven teams, and plenty to get to as we break down the matchup this week. Trevor Lawrence. Coming off a fantastic month of November, but the next time he takes a snap in a game, the calendar will turn to December. Yes, it's a battle of four and seven teams, but it is a big ball game for head coach Doug Peterson and this team. The guys understand that it is a big game uh, because it's the next one. And just like them, you know, I'm, I'm, our goals are right in front of us, you know, and, and um uh, this is a this is a good football. We gotta, what, what we have as a staff have to get across to our players that we're playing a good football team, and 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 I think they're saying the same things. They're they're playing a good football team. So it's we're kind of the same in a way. And I, I heard you know uh, Coach Campbell talk about that the other day. That very similar teams and both playing for a lot. You know, um, and so yeah, I think just from that standpoint, you could probably consider it you know, uh, in, the, in the big game category. That's Doug Peterson earlier today. The entire press conference available on Jaguars.com, Jaguar social media. Uh, Bucky, as the late, great John Madden once said, tell me when there's a little game. There's no such <laughs> thing as a little game in the NFL. No, no such thing as a little game. And what we're seeing now more than ever uh, is really any given Sunday. The parody in the league makes it where you have to be ready to play each and every week. You can't worry about the, what the record is. The other team always has good players, and if they play their game, they certainly can win. And for the Detroit Lions, you're talking about a team that their calling card is their toughness and their effort. Dan Campbell has really preached that from day one. When you look at the team and look at the tape, they play to that brand. And so this would be a real big challenge for the Jaguars to kind of deal with the team, to prize themselves from being a more physical team. Yeah, and it's an interesting game because uh, it sort of feels a little like early in the season when you uh, got two wins and then you wanted to see them sort of build on that and show you that that they are what they think they are. Uh, they mm-hmm. didn't do that early in the season, but now all of a sudden you've got two out of the last three, one over a, a Ravens team that I think is a significant win because of what that franchise is. Um, but if you lose Sunday, it, it sort of falls on deaf ears with the fan base a little bit. I mean, it, it – I think they'll still feel the excitement from Sunday, but uh, you know, you win one now, you got three or four, and, and now you really are on the graphic in the conversation, whatever. I think you need to go get this one to convince a lot of people who don't follow it all the time that what you're doing is real. So I think it's it's kind of a cool opportunity in that sense for this team. Yeah, it's funny that you bring that up, John, about bringing everyone on board because I do feel like there's. Uh, if this was uh, we were jumping rope, this is like a game of double dutch. You're kind of waiting to jump in and wow. really believe that the Jaguars can win. But you need a little more convincing. The game against the Ravens kind of perked 
up some ears and drew some eyes to the team. But now, can you beat a team that many on the outside would say that you're supposed to beat just because of the name Detroit? And so uh, with the Lions and with the Lions playing the way that they play, if the Jaguars can go on the road, can knock them out and can beat the Lions at their own game, uh, then you put a feather in your cap and then you do begin to get that momentum and that buzz around the organization that can kind of lead you on a little bit of a run down the stretch. Don't get me wrong, JP. I I think regardless of whether they win Sunday or not, Sunday to me showed that you have a foundation now because I don't think you do what Trevor Lawrence did in that game if if you're not going to be good. I I don't think you fluke into how he played. So it's going to be there. I I walked out of that game the other night thinking, okay – now you can start building, you can start going, you can start feeling good about it. I'm talking against the Lions for the short term. You know, I think Trevor's going to play well enough and his team's going to play well enough down the stretch. And at some point, people are going to start believing. But in the short term, this one's big for the, uh, all the reasons that Bucky said. Yeah, no doubt. And um, you know, to your point about Trevor Lawrence, obviously good for the entire game, a career best passer rating, but exceptionally good on the final drive seven of nine passing on that two-minute drive to get down and get the touchdown pass a fourth down conversion early in the drive they overcame a sack and and got in the end zone and then he throws a dart on the two-point play to to get the lead for good and it put the uh, the cherry on top of a, a career day for the quarterback Bucky and really a, a fantastic month three straight games now over a 100 rating for Trevor Lawrence who is finding his stride and, and now the question will be obviously can he sustain this going down the stretch with six games to go Bucky yeah he's been really impressive and he's been impressive uh since the Denver game in terms of just uh the composure and poise the ability to bounce back from poor plays Doug Peterson talked about that after the game just how um he's kind of found himself and I think the coaching staff has also had the opportunity to be with him enough to kind of make the game easier for him I think the bye week did wonders for the team and for the quarterback in terms of matching up his favorite plays with the things that works for his game. And so as they continue to build this out with Doug Peterson and uh, Trevor Lawrence forming a partnership, I think you are going to continue to see great things. But the big thing for me being field level, watching the throws, there's no doubt this guy's a franchise player in terms of the talent because the throws that he made on Sunday against the Ravens, those are big time throws. Those are top five player, the position type throws those are the throws that you want to see with the anticipation the touch and the timing uh he did that and so as he continues to build on that the team around him begins to believe in his superpowers and so uh, i think it's all good going forward now can he continue to stack these solid performances on top of each other but can he play double dutch is <laughs> everybody can play question. double dutch all right everybody's everybody not a play double well. dutcher hey, hey bucky i'm wondering um I'll give you credit for this because I think you said it early in the season. Strikes me that in the last three games, and I'll knock on wood because you want to keep seeing it, the accuracy for Trevor, you know, you haven't seen the sailed balls as much. Uh, You've seen more consistent throwing. And I think you said earlier on this show that you thought that would come and that maybe some of the early stuff had to do with just not yet being comfortable in the offense, not yet knowing exactly what he was going to be doing every play. Um, am I on to something there? Is that coming together for that reason, just the comfort level? I think so. 
I, I think he's, he's very, very comfortable in what they're asking him to do. He's very comfortable seeing it. I think they've done some things to make the game very easy for him in terms of repeating plays and repeating plays maybe from different uh, formations, but conceptually it's still the same read for the quarterback. And so as a, as a good coach, what you try and do is make it hard for the opponent, easy for your players. And so I think Doug has kind of gotten to his bag with the creativity to figure out a way to recycle these plays and concepts while presenting a different picture to the defense. Zay Jones, career day at the office last week, career high targets, catches, yards, did not get a touchdown. He only has one this year, in fact, but of course the game-winning two-point conversion. And he's just as cool and calm as can be in that locker room. That mind is always moving, though. We, we saw him in there late in the locker room today. And, um, boy, that what, what an outstanding performance for Zay. A guy who's had some moments this season, Bucky, but that was a breakout day for the free agent wide receiver. Oh, absolute breakout day. Um, and I think the big thing is we've, we've talked about how this receiver core would evolve and how it would grow and who would fill certain roles. And I think what you have is a situation where you don't have a true number one receiver. What you have are a bunch of either high end twos or you can split it up one A, B and C with these guys playing interchangeable roles. And when I mean that Christian Kirk, Zay Jones and Marvin Jones, depending on the day, depending on the matchup, they can take turns being the anchor of the passing game. Zay Jones's day was Sunday. He was up. They found him. They found the matchup that they liked. They went to him repeatedly and he delivered. And I will say this, some of those catches that he made look routine were very difficult. The two-point conversion at the end, man, that's a hard catch. Over the shoulder, like the way that he called it, underhanded to the corner. That was a dart. Uh, great hand eye coordination. That ball, uh, yeah, I, I mean, unbelievable. Yeah, thrown hard, too. Yeah, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Bucky. Um, I mean, I know it's your show. I don't, I don't want to no, 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 no. interrupt you. No, so, no, no, but um, it was a dart. It was unbelievable to see him catch it like that, soft hands and all that. You know. And but you tell me, I I don't want to look too far ahead because he has six games left. But I I'm not sure uh, where Marvin Jones is going to fit into this. I hope he's back uh, as a guy in this offense. But just looking ahead to Ridley, mm-hmm. Zay Jones, and Christian Kirk, it seems like all those guys sort of complement each other in terms of roles. I mean, mm-hmm. if Ridley's a one. Zay becomes a really good outside too, and then you've got Christian. Not I don't call him a pure slot, but he works well in that. All of a sudden, you've got a receiving core uh, that can all put up some numbers and be significant within the offense. Yeah, you know it's funny because we had an opportunity to look at it, and some of this uh, kind of works. The better the quarterback, the easier it is to do what the Jaguars are attempting to do. So a couple of weeks ago, when we went to Kansas City. We saw Pat Mahomes play with a bunch of guys that were high-end number twos, more complimentary players than what I would say franchise pass catchers. But because the quarterback is so good, they can take turns uh, doing damage, whether that's MVS, Juju Smith-Schuster, we saw Kadarius Toney. Even though the games are different for the Jaguars wide receivers, if you have Calvin Ridley playing alongside Christian Kirk and Zay Jones, they're interchangeable in terms of all these guys are great route runners. Each guy can play inside or outside. So now what Doug talked about is basically just moving people around, running the same plays, but maybe different guys are uh, changing who's the primary, who's the secondary, who's the, the third. When you do that, then it becomes difficult for the defense to build a game plan to defend you because 
do I defend the plays or do I defend the players? If I defend the players, now the plays may get me in a bind. And so I think in a perfect world, what Doug would like to have is that kind of flexibility where I can change the picture, make it very difficult for the offense, but for the quarterback, it's the same concept. I'm just getting to my spot and I'm reading my progression and the ball goes to the open guy. Final thought on the offense here. Travis Etienne Jr. in the locker room just a minute ago said he was pretty confident that he'll be ready to go on Sunday. He is on the injury report, limited with a foot issue today. Uh, one of four players on the list today. Zay Jones limited with a chest issue. Andre Sisco with a shoulder issue limited. Roy Robertson Harris. Uh, Roy Robertson Harris did not practice today with an illness. So uh, either way, now Travis Etienne played uh, just a little bit in that game last week, but Hasty stepped up in a big way. Obviously mm-hmm. had the early touchdown catch on another nice throw from Trevor. But uh, if Etienne's back in there and all of a sudden they, you know they weren't really running the ball a lot last week, they didn't have to do a lot of that. But Hasty stepped in pretty well in his place. It looked like Bucky. Yeah, he did. And I'm glad that he had an opportunity to play because I think what happens is he has shown flashes. Like I think he had a big run against the Indianapolis Colts where we saw him break out. We've seen flashes and moments where he's had um, these things, but we finally got a chance to see him stay on the field the entire game. And so there you talk about a guy who almost got 100 scrimmage yards, uh, did it in a different fashion, but he did it on 15, uh, 17 touches. And so now you begin to think about, oh, okay, maybe they can stack this up where you have Travis Etienne, Jermichael Hasty, um, At some point, Daryl Henderson is going to get on the field. And all of these guys are more of your speed, change of pace backs. Well, now you kind of deploy them differently based on how this offense is going to be utilized. And so I know for a long time, we are conditioned to think about the Jaguars running game and the backfield being a ground and pound type, but this is not it. This is going to be the passing attack kind of dominating it and then the running game supplementing everything with these creative touches so that you did you see the toss crack you see some of the other things where we're getting on the edges where you're not necessarily pounding between the tackles but you're trying to get on the edges and use the passing game the screen game the swing game use that a little bit as part of your running game to get these chunk plays that you kind of saw them deliver with james jermichael hasty Plenty more ahead. We'll return and get into the defense for this Jags team. Some changes last week. How many of those stick moving ahead, including at the linebacker position? That's coming up. It's time to deck the halls, Duvall. Join us Sunday, December 18th, as Trevor Lawrence leads the charge against Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys. Whether you're gifting the game or treating yourself, we've got tickets to fit every budget. Visit jaguars.com slash tickets or call 904-633-2000. This is Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks on the Jaguars Digital Network. You, know, you look at a, a win like Sunday and, and the way we won, how we won, it wasn't perfect. There were, there were mistakes in the game, but to finish that game, right? Would, I mean, that game could easily... Get one turnover there at the end of the game, going the other, you know, going their way, and it's a ball game, right? That that the, the fumble that Trevor had, and um, we haven't been able to get those back in that game. We did, and and we stayed on the field. We you know we made plays down the stretch. We learned how to finish, and and that's what that's what those guys. That's what it means to those guys to be able to do that and see that, and um, you know, just kind of feel that emotion, you know, after the game, and and that's what. Uh, you know, that's what you're trying to get to, you know, each week. 
That's head coach Doug Peterson, of course, earlier today. And welcome back. It's Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks on Wednesday, ahead of Week 13. The Jaguars face the Detroit Lions, a battle of four and seven teams up at Ford Field in downtown Detroit. Well, the uh, Jaguars' defense in last week's game, well, early in the game, they... You know, they gave up some yardage, but then uh, held in the red zone three different times to force short field goals for the Ravens that, you know, it felt like early in that game, Bucky, that the Ravens could have put some more points on the board. They missed a couple throws, Lamar Jackson, uh, but credit the Jags defense early for keeping it within striking distance. And then, of course, the back and forth ball game uh, at the end there changed the whole dynamic of it. But if it, if it wasn't for the early play of the defense, they might not get to that fourth quarter. Yeah, not for the early play. The defense did a really good job staying on point. Uh, and when you think about being able to stay on point, a lot of it is just just being able to, to, to make sure that you don't let them in the end zone. And so all week, Doug Peterson had talked about making sure you keep the ball in front, make people drive the distance, see if you can make them settle for field goals as opposed to touchdowns, and it give you a chance. And so that bend but don't break philosophy is certainly not sexy, but it's very effective if your team is – very, very good in the red zone. And so when you get that combination and you get an efficient performance from the offense, it enables you to run teams down in the fourth quarter. And so the Jags were able to do that and get it done. Look, how many times this season have we sat here and said it, it, if the Jaguars had just scored a time or two more in the red zone, it's a different game? So I feel like the other day they won one sort of reversing in a way they had lost before. And – uh when you're playing a high-powered team like the Ravens and you are uh, a young team trying to learn how to win, that's how you do it in the NFL. If you know, They were a little outmanned, I think, uh, defensively. I mean, I think the Ravens are a hard team to stop. Maybe a month ago that game gets away from them and they let them into the end zone and you don't have an opportunity to come back. So uh, I think Bucky alluded to this. We've been talking all year about the big picture of how they learn to win a game. Well, the offense at the end of the game uh, clearly showed that they're learning that. But throughout the game, the defense sort of showed that it was learning, okay, we gave it 420 yards. But at those big moments, I talk about break and serve all the time in the NFL. That's what I gauge defenses on now because I think you're going to give up yards. Do you come through in the big moments? Uh, over and over again this year, this team hasn't. On on Sunday they did, defensively. Yeah, on on, on Sunday they they certainly came through, and I think the big thing in talking to uh, Wingard and Foyer Luakon after the game, they talked about the emphasis over the bye week had been on simplification, making sure that everyone understood exactly what they were doing on defense, that it was clear, they had clear, hard and fast rules that enabled everyone to play fast because they knew exactly what they're doing, what the expectation was of every player on the field. The other thing they talked about was just making sure that um, the communication was great on the field, meaning that DBs communicating with the linebackers, linebackers communicating with the DBs and the front line so that you didn't have these coverage busts. Um, he didn't say it on the record, but he alluded to maybe at the end of the game when we gave up the big shot to Deshaun Jackson, maybe there was a coverage bus where someone was out of alignment, someone did something they weren't supposed to boot, and that's why Deshaun Jackson was was open down the field. But for the most part, the team had played tight. They did a really good job keeping the ball in front. And in this league, if you don't turn it over, 
and you don't let it fly over the top of the defense, you're going to have an opportunity to win games. And so the Jaguars made some strides because, for the most part, they didn't allow those things to happen. Linebacker play, of course, Foye Luakun uh, had a career-high 18 tackles in the game. The only end of the game, and, and you see on your screen there what happened, 13 of those were solo tackles and now over 100 and, well, actually 113 for the season, the third most in the National Football League. But the one of the big storylines going into the game was just to the side of him with a change at the other linebacker spot. Chad Muma played every snap in the game. The rookie linebacker out of Wyoming, and Doug Peterson uh, mentioned today that uh, that might not change. And Muma played well enough to continue to stay in there. Devin Lloyd had some time. They had some three linebacker looks last week, considering the offense on the other side for Baltimore. You might not see a lot of that. It could change week to week, obviously. They had some three safety looks, too. But uh, what you what'd you make of Muma's game, Bucky? And um, can he carry this the rest of the way? Yeah, I like this. You know, I, I like uh, playing Chad Muma uh, a lot. I was a big fan of his during the pre-draft process. I thought he's one of the best linebackers in the pool. And so now you bring him in, and he is playing his natural spot, meaning he's an off-the-ball linebacker, great communicator, great diagnostic skills. Uh, he plays fast, and he has the kind of energy that you like to have on the field. For Devin Lloyd, I think the big thing for him is not necessarily an indictment on his talent, or what he could do in terms of his potential, but I think it's about finding the right spot for him on the field. At Utah, he was a guy that spent a lot of his time playing on the edges. A little time as an off-the-ball linebacker, but he was at his best when he was able to hawk the quarterback, come off the edge, blitz, do some of those things. So it's on the defensive coordinator and the defense staff to figure out a way to elevate Devin Lloyd. But Chad Muma is slotted in his right spot. That's why I think we've seen him have the amount of success that he's had thus far. Yeah, I, I just wonder how that's going to look. I mean, it's, uh, you know, I agree with Bucky. At, at some point, uh, I think I said this before on the show, Devin Lloyd clearly has playmaking ability, play ability in the NFL. We've seen it. We've seen it. It's what, three interceptions this year or two? Uh, multiple pass breakups, fumble recoveries. He, he's got that knack, and at some point you got to stop calling it a knack. He's got the ability to do it. Uh, mm-hmm. how they put that on the field, where they put it have happened. Because I, th- I think you were alluding, alluding to this earlier, JP. The sets that Lloyd was on the field for the other day aren't going to be in, in the scheme very often if you're not playing Lamar Jackson because that was a Lamar Jackson, Baltimore Ravens-centric scheme. So how do you get him on the field? Um, I'll be watching that Sunday. I don't know the answer, but that's a big, big – it's a big storyline. And special teams could be the answer to that, too. Uh, yeah. yeah, but, it, expand yeah, the but role it, has there. Be, it has to be more than that. Like, I mean, the reality of it is he's a number one pick. He's a first-round pick. So the first-round pick has to – you have to get value out of him beyond just the kicking game. And so I would say that that's a conversation where Doug Peterson has with the defensive coordinator. Hey, how do we get him on the field playing and doing the things that he does really well? You guys need to sit here and figure out the packages that we can utilize each and every week to get Devin Lloyd on the field. Because he has to be on the field because he's an impactful player. Even though he's been up and down, there's been a ton of times where he's been around the ball, he's made plays and those things. And so part of coaching is taking what a player does really well and not asking him to do the things that he doesn't do well. So I would anticipate him having an opportunity to rush the pass in some way, shape, or form, get on the field, 
do some sub package things, but he'll have a role. But in terms of your every down backer, Chad Moon is an off the ball back who deserves a start. And then Foyer Aluakon is the traffic cop. He's got his directing. So those two guys have to be on the field, but you still have to find a way to get Devin Lloyd on the field in some role. Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks is brought to you by Fields Auto Group Jacksonville. Step up to luxury. FieldsAuto.com. We're back in a moment with a look at the Detroit Lions. They have a former number one overall draft pick at quarterback as well. Jared Goff, the number two overall pick this year. Aiden Hutchinson, all that coming up. And this is Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks on the Jaguars Digital Network. It's tough to really get to... I think get to know guys during that process. It's so short and brief, um, you know, and then and getting even a, a top 30 visit, you know, in your building and things like that. Uh, it's still not enough time to really get to know somebody. But I'll say this. I mean, this kid was uh, professional, um, the way he acted, the way he spoke, the way he handled his business, you know, when he was here. Um, just You just know guys like that are going to have success in this league. That's Doug Peterson, the full press conference on Jaguars.com. And, of course, uh, Jaguars quarterback Trevor Lawrence spoke this afternoon. That's also available on the Jaguars social media channels, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. It's Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks, J.P. Shadrick, John Osier in Jacksonville, Bucky out in Los Angeles. And that's the head coach discussing Aiden Hutchinson, of course, the number two overall pick in the NFL draft, went to Detroit from Michigan and, of course, number one overall, Trayvon Walker. So that'll be a storyline this week. They don't line up against each other, but uh, the comparisons are only just beginning, Bucky, with these two in the NFL, and they could go for a long time considering they were picked one and two overall. Yeah, they will go for a long time because the Jaguars picked Trayvon Walker over Aiden Hutchinson, even though for the majority of the uh, lead-up to the draft, Aiden Hutchinson appeared to be the guy who was rated uh, higher than Walker based on most outside observers. Now, that doesn't matter because the Jaguars rate the players based on how they expected them to play for them and not what the outside world thinks. But when you look at Aiden Hutchinson production, it's going to be a debate. It's going to be a conversation. He has five and a half sacks. He has four tackles for loss. He has 10 hits on the quarterback, two interceptions. And you've seen him make disruptive plays. Trayvon Walker has flashed, but he hasn't flashed to the level of consistency that you want to see from a number one overall pick. And so when you have that debate and you have them on the field uh, in the same game, yeah, it's going to be the compare and contrast because Aiden Hutchinson has been a more productive and a more disruptive player than the guy that was drafted before him. So, yeah, so if you're the Jaguars, that's part of the conversation that will exist around this game. Yeah, and it's – it's. Uh... I said it since the day of the draft. I think most people did. It, it was going to be difficult for, for for Trayvon this year to fare well in this conversation, not because he's not a good player, not because he's not a productive player, but the the fact that not really a pure pass rusher, I, I kind of thought from day one, he's probably not going to have as many sacks as Aiden Hutchinson. Is he impacting the game by being stout? Is he making you a better run overall defense? Is he making plays elsewhere? Uh, the sack thing was always going to bite him a little bit this year, I thought, because it was going to take him time to learn how to, uh, learn how to pass rush. Uh, I think it's playing its way out. Uh, we'll see how it plays out to the end of the season. How about the rest of this Lions defense? Uh, you know, Okuda's there. He had an Achilles injury last year, though, after oh, week one. It tore his Achilles, and he was done. But uh, what does he, how's he looked this year coming off that, and, and what else do they have to offer on defense? 
Well, you know, early in the year, he was looking like a shutdown corner. Did a really good job matching up. Had a good game against Justin Jefferson and some other guys, A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith. Uh, kind of came back to, to earth a little bit in terms of his play, but he's a really good player. He was a good player at Ohio State. Uh, injuries have derailed his career at this point, but he has talent. Uh, we need a third overall pick. You're a guy who has a lot of talent. It's about putting him in a situation to make plays. And so of late, he's been successful in terms of covering. That said, he's not a guy that you avoid. You're still willing to throw at his side and see if he can hold up. And when you think about the route runners that we have on the outside, yeah, they can create some problems. So you want to still go at Akuda and the rest of those guys in the secondary. But this is a team that is really built on the try-hard premise. Like their thing is their effort makes up for maybe the talent deficiencies that they may have on the roster on both sides of the ball. So they're going to play hard. They can make it a very physical game. And they are willing to bank that if we make it a rough and tumble contest, most teams will back down. And so much like the Ravens was a test of the Jaguars' physicality and toughness, Detroit will be that, both sides of the ball. So ignore the ranking. When you're watching this game, look and see who, which team is out hitting the other team. Because in this game, the team that out hits the other team is going to be the team that walks away victorious. Okay, sort of on that, on, on that theme on the other side of the ball, uh, the Raven, I mean, the Ravens, the uh, Lions offensive line is uh, pretty underrated. Uh, very good unit. The Jaguars, in my opinion, have done a nice job on the defensive front as long as they're not having to worry about mobile quarterback. Uh, how big is the matchup Jaguars defensive front against the Lions offensive line? Yeah, so back in the day, John, we used to um, we used to talk about these games where you, you would give out a, a, a designated hat. We used to call it the big sombrero. Uh, you saw with the Washington Commanders, uh, Brian Robinson had the big old hat on. And what you would do is you would make the guys in the meeting room who had the big matchup that they needed to win their matchup for the team to win. They would sit in the meeting room and wear the big sombrero. Well, the big sombrero this week goes to the defensive line because the Detroit Lions offensive line is one of the best in football. And what they excel at is they mash and maul people at the point of attack. Jamal Williams has a ton of touchdowns. I think he may be the league leader in rushing touchdowns. Part of that is because they're able to punch you in the face at the line of scrimmage. Now, the Jaguars have prided themselves in being a very physical front line. And so this will be where the rubber meets the road in terms of who is the more physical team, which team can control the trenches. Uh, this is a very challenging matchup for the Jaguars defensive front. And they must hold their own for the Jaguars to have a chance of winning. Two good running backs, too. Williams leads the league in touchdowns this year. Not quite up there in yardage, but they give it to him. He finds pay dirt and gets it done. And, uh, yeah, that following that offensive line certainly helps. But Williams now in year number six is finding the end zone more than anybody on the ground in the NFL. Yeah, he absolutely. He has a nose for the to pay dirt. And not only that, uh, JP, what he does is – He's a tone setter. He's a tone setter in terms of like he is a bull in a china shop. He runs through people. He runs over people. He is not afraid to engage and initiate contact. And so this is a game where you talk about the secondary. You better bring your big boy pads because if he gets to the second level, he's not looking to elude and evade. He's looking to run over you. And so you're going to have to tackle. You're going to have to hit him square. You're going to have to thump him because he is going to keep going. And if he has one of those plays where he kind of drops the boom on the secondary it charges up the rest of their team 
And so when we talk about this game being a very physical affair, it is that because they feed off of that toughness because Dan Campbell has preached it ad nauseum. Toughness, effort. They feel like they're the physical team. They want to fancy themselves as a bully. And the only way that you can knock off a bully, you got to hit the bully in the mouth. And so that is the task ahead of the Jaguars. Yeah, it feels like a shootout to me, JP. I mean, I think uh, Jaguars are moving the ball with the confidence they've got. Uh, I feel like this game's going to be in the high 20s. We'll leave the predictions for just a moment. One more thought on the Lions, and it's the former number one pick, of course, on the Jag side, Trevor Lawrence, from two years ago. But from 2016, Jared Goff is the quarterback in Detroit, first overall by the Rams and then traded to the Lions as part of the Stafford deal. He and a, a bunch of draft picks came over to Detroit. Well, uh, Goff the last little while has played pretty well. Six touchdowns, one pick over the last five games, and he's settling in. It helps when you have a run game like that, Bucky, and then all of a sudden Goff standing up can throw it down the field, and uh, St. Brown's playing well, receiving for him. They've got some things going. They do have some things going, and I know people really love to take shots at Jerry Goff because maybe he's not lived up to some of the hype that accompanies the number one overall pick, but he's a really good player. You have to remember, he led a team to the Super Bowl. They didn't win. They lost to the Patriots, but this is a guy that's been a two-time pro bowler who has played at a high level when playing in an offense that was tailored to his skills. This offense is now tailored to his skills as a very efficient play-action passer, a guy who can work inside the numbers, a guy who does a really good job of, for the most part, avoiding the turnovers. If he is playing turnover-free football, this team has a chance to win. Uh, the big thing about Jerry Goff is he's not a mobile quarterback. He's going to stand uh, right behind the pocket, maybe 7 to 10 yards, and so everyone knows where he's at. And so we've talked about the trench warriors, the D-line versus the O-line. The Jaguars' front line has to win at the line of scrimmage and attack the quarterback because – you don't necessarily have the talent on the outside to lock up and play man-to-man, so you want to be kind of limited in terms of how often you expose the secondary to one-on-one coverage. Uh, this has to be a game where you knock Jerry Goff around, but it has to be the front four or maybe five to get after him uh, because if he's comfortable and throwing on time, he can deal. We'll come back in a moment. Final thoughts ahead of this Week 13 matchup, the Jaguars and the Lions, both teams 4-7. and The Lions second place in the NFC North, the Jaguars third place in the AFC South. And are you ready to join the Jaguars? Well, 2023 season ticket deposits are now open. Secure your place in line to select the best seats at the best prices with flexible payment options and pricing for every budget. You don't have to miss out. Visit jaguars.com slash tickets and place your deposit and be at the bank for every big play in 2023. It's Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks on the Jaguars Digital Network. Welcome back. It's Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks presented by the Fields Auto Group and a look outside of the Miller Electric Center at TIAA Bank Field. The sun setting off to the west. Beautiful day. The roof going on, the indoor facility. It was rain earlier today, right during practice time. The Jaguars were practicing indoors on the other side of the stadium today. But uh, it's on track. It should be open for business summer of 2023. And it's going up quick and looking good every single day. Huddle up with Bucky Brooks brought to you by the Fields Auto Group. Jacksonville, step up to luxury, fieldsauto.com. All right, teams are 4-7. and seven. The... Uh, the Jaguars 
are, you know, they said in the locker room today, Bucky, you'll like this. I, I heard this on the practice field today. It was reiterated in the locker room. It's game two of a seven-game season for the Jags. And then Foyer Lewican corrected me. He said, yeah, that's great. They can say that, but it's game one of a six-game season. That, they're counting them down one by one, uh, one game at a time for this Jaguar group. Yeah, that's the only way you can do it. You can't worry about making the run without focusing on the task ahead. Uh, I think the thing that uh, came out of last week, uh, Wingard said this on the postgame show. He talked about understanding the process that enabled them to have the win on Sunday. So the way that they practice on Wednesday and Thursday, the way they were on it on Friday, the way they went through the walkthrough on Saturday, putting the energy and the effort to making sure that you take care of the business that you have on that given day. If the Jaguars can break up the, the macro and the little micro pieces and focus on those micro wins, yeah, they absolutely can do it. And it's one of the things that Doug Peterson has been trying to get this team to focus on is the process of practicing well will lead to better performance and production on game day. But you only can do it by taking it one day at a time. Yeah, I mean, it's I'm never look at the schedule guy, JP. You know, it, I because I truly believe in the NFL. Uh, all games are so tough that you can't look. I mean, a game can be as hard, whatever. It it's so week to week. But however. But that that being said, comma, if you win this, the Eagles win. Yeah, then it's a two-game lead with, and you're going to Tennessee. Yeah, with mm-hmm. where it's interesting, where it's really interesting. So uh, it's finite enough now where you can start to sort of look at things like that. Uh, this is a dangerous game, I think, for f- fans more than players because. People look at the Lions and think, oh, it's the Lions. I don't think players are going to feel that. But regardless of how dangerous it is, it's a game that you can go win. You're not outmatched in. So go win it and come back and see what happens the next week, JP. It could get fun. Yeah, this is a game, but I think it attests to maturity of the team. Uh, Doug talks about like little milestone markers throughout the season where you kind of understand where the team is and what they're ready for. To me, this is a game where – uh, a game that in that locker room you feel like you should win, can you go out, take care of business, and win it? Too often we've had opportunities early in the year to do those things. Let's think about the Houston Texans or even the Indianapolis Colts, games that on paper look like they should have either been even or in the Jaguars' favor, but they weren't able to get it done. Now this is a game where you're looking at the lines, and even though the records are the same, you're saying, man, we should win this game. We win this game, it puts us at 5-7, and seven, it gives us a chance. So can you put – all of your energy and effort to knocking off a Lions team that is, look, as tough and as physical as they come. So it'll be a great test of the maturity of the Jaguars. We will know a lot more about this team at the end of Sunday. Feeling good, John? I mean, as good as you can? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think what we saw from Trevor was real. And if what we saw from Trevor is real, then he starts doing that consistently then I think you go win games like this. So yeah. it, it, now, he's still young, so I think you're going to have hiccups before it gets real where you're seeing it all the time. But, yeah, I feel good about it. Okay. All right. As good as I feel. Yeah, yeah. good. That's why I asked. Bucky uh, seems to feel pretty good about it, too, just from the tone I get today. Oh, I feel great about it. I mean, I feel great about it. I feel like this is this is a chance for them to get back on track. Um Look, if you want to be a winning team, you have to take care of this. And you can't get back those games that you gave away early, but you certainly can learn the lessons from those. So at some point, you got to apply the lessons. 
And so uh, I would like to think that we do it. The big thing will be it's a Trevor Lawrence game. Trevor Lawrence has to show that he can be back-to-back in terms of the guy that we saw against the Ravens. Because the guy that we saw on the Ravens, that's what the former number one overall pick should look like. Can he put together another performance like that where he is? um, We talk about quarterbacks falling into trucks and trailers, that category, where the truck, the quarterback is carrying the team, the trailer, the team is carrying the quarterback. We need him to be a truck because if he does that, then it makes it easier for the rest of the team to get on board and do what they need to do. Bucky, Bucky dropped a few today. Double Dutch, the truck and the trailer. I mean, Come on, man. The truck and trailer, that's an old. That's a old. I know, I'm just not I've never heard it before. i got to be honest. I've never heard that. But it, but it's great. I will you use never, it. it. Hey, there are only a handful of trucks in the league at quarterback. That's how you have to look at them. You right. have to look at, can the quarterback pull the team? So when you're thinking about, like, back in the day, like your, your Tom Brady's, your Peyton Manning's, they make the other guys elevate their game. Where you look at some guys, it's everybody around them pushing the quarterback up. Trevor Lawrence has the talent to be a high-end truck, but can he do it? When will he do it? And can he do it consistently? We need to see it. Maybe we'll start or continue to see it this Sunday in Detroit against the Lions at Ford Field. Bucky, have a fantastic week, and we'll talk to you down the line. Hey, man, have a good day. Bucky Brooks, NFL Network Analyst, Jaguars Radio Field Analyst, John Osier, Senior Writer. I'm J.P. Shadrick. Thanks to our entire crew, of course, Brent Reber on the video side, Joe Fortunato on the audio side, and thanks to you for watching. It's Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks on the Jaguars Digital Network.